Thank you, thank you again, Janet Lee. And you're so dependable. You can always look and expect something really outstanding. And I'll tell you what, that series about the spirit almost gives you goose pimples. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, here we are again. And now we are on um interesting episode of of uh things. Uh, we're part 18 in the Seven Thunders Before Genesis book. And we we um uh are involved in uh, the longest day of creation part 4. So uh we've a lot to say, a lot to cover. So hang and hold. Hey, let's just go over this little letter that we sent out because uh, it's so easy to uh, uh, put these things down intending to cover them and then not quite get to them. Uh, I said in the uh, letter announcement that I sent out that um, we would be talking about the um, genetic and biological animal nature curse on the human race input by the maker of the tares. The story of the tares... Um, is found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 39. And it basically says that uh, during this period of time called the sleep, um, that the uh, enemy came who was the devil. And he sowed these tares so that they became part of the field. And, and this field was the world. And the world was those people that consisted of the harvest, which was symbolically represented by the grain, but now they were also represented by the unwanted tares because they had become part of the field or part of the world. And um, we we will show you later as we read in the in the uh, uh, book of the Seven Thunders, uh, and we read in the area of the. Uh, the fifth universe, how that these um, kind of things uh, that are far back into our genes can have a way of coming forward. And uh, we even know that at times, for instance, uh, <clears throat> you'll have someone born in the family that's suddenly a redhead. And the father or the mother is not a redhead. The grandmother, grandfather's not a redhead. But going back maybe, you know, a, a couple generations back, there would be maybe a redhead or a couple redheads in the family link. And uh, so it's sort of like then what we call a jump of the genes. That, uh, that uh, has been in the genes, but it hasn't come forth until at that time. And suddenly it, it comes forth. There's a lot of things very interesting about genes, and, and we're just simply saying as we get into this teaching that the DNA is quite an incredible revelation. And once the DNA is really understood and really known in all its secret properties uh, in its human genome, uh, as it is tied in you know, to, to the whole aspect of, of the complexities of the body, it is going to be absolutely stirring revelation to the saints of God. And then we also talked about um, the merging of animals in the great past with aquatic man and the mess and diversity of the hominid production up to Adam. And uh, and, and it's interesting to talk about that um, 
<clears throat> there are some uh, scientists kind of people that believe that men, instead of um, emerging from the primates, uh, that um, he emerged from another kind of critter that, uh, you know, came out of the sea and was uh, an aquatic type of creature. Well, the manifest teaches something along that line, too. It teaches about uh, the Morans and how that they were a, um, a, a uh, you know, water-based creature. Now, there will be people say, well, there's no proof of it because they haven't found any remains. Uh, but, you know, don't get too stirred up about that because, uh, in all honesty, uh, they haven't even begun to find all of the remains and and and, and uh, the wonders uh, that are hidden underneath the earth and in the seas and oceans. Uh, they haven't even begun to to uh, find the volume that will eventually be found. So uh, they're finding new things all the time: new creatures, new fossils. New kinds of surprising, uh, uh, you know, uh, things that uh, they never uh, imagined to be possible. So um, we do know there's some interesting things. We know that um, the Bible in the Old Testament talks about this God called Dagon, D-A-G-O-N. And in 1 Samuel 5.25, it tells a story about this Dagon that uh, the uh, Philistines had. And there are other stories uh, about uh, uh, Dagon uh, in the uh, in, in in the Bible. Um, this uh, this was a was a uh, a god that was like part human and part fish, and uh, and so like you know it it sort of goes along with the story of the uh, of the mermaids. And and uh, that type of a thing uh, uh, in the um, the Nurm uh, uh, uh Bible uh, printed in 1883, uh, it has a picture there in it of mermaid, a merman uh, uh, swimming near Noah's Ark, and uh, that's just interesting. That's interesting in Revelation 13 how that this. This animal with the the ten horns, this beast, um, uh, comes out of the out of the of the waters of like a great the great sea or ocean. It's interesting in Revelation seventeen fifteen that the Bible says that the waters represent the people. It's interesting that the fish became a symbol of Christianity, especially. You know, of course, of Jesus, and it's interesting how that uh, the water baptism is a part of the ministry that has to do with the resurrection. Um, it's interesting that um, uh, the Bible talks about that the flying fowl uh, that that uh, you know were created from out of the waters. This is in the book of uh, Genesis, chapter one, verse twenty, and we know that that there can be such a thing as gene carriers, that one species can carry the genes of what is to become another uh, uh, gene, uh, you know, type of uh, genetics and, and uh, another gen- genome. 
And so there's a lot of things that people shouldn't get too um, cranked up about and too absolutely positive about as far as what they think or what they don't think because there is so much that can be said and that can be taught about aquatic existences. And and um, uh, I'm just trying to touch on this a little bit because it's not really my full subject, but uh, <clears throat> it is interesting. It is interesting, uh, you know, as a uh, as a subject to consider, to think about, and of course, uh, in the course of time, I will get uh, into more and more uh, explanation of uh, those kind of ideas. And I'll be able to uh, share them with you in a, uh, a deeper, uh, more adequate way. You know, that, that will be very, very important. Now, uh, we want to um, start off by uh, saying this. In this teaching of the fifth creation day, and in this teaching of, collectively, of, of these various, uh, uh, you know, um, I don't think I should call them sermonettes because they seem to be quite too full uh, for just being a sermonette. Um, I was just given a, uh, an information slip here the other day from uh, some of the people that were helping us put together uh, this whole thing with the um, uh, with with the, uh, the 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 printing of the message that is being. Uh, you know, ministered on the air, and uh, and they're transcribing it, and that that is a wonderful thing. So they were saying that number seventeen was not last week, but the week before. That in ninety nine minutes of time, I had spoken over reasonably considerably over thirteen thousand words. In 99 minutes. So um, we begin to, get to see the incredible volume of, um, of the reality of these teachings. And um, it, it, it's a lot. And eventually we'll have all of these teachings uh, written out and available for people so that uh, they will be able to have uh, copies to read as well as their audio copy to listen to. Uh, that is uh, provided on the on the website. Now, um, I want to talk about this point that for people to really understand a lot of these teachings that I am doing, the mystery of the time is a major factor. If you don't get the mystery of the time, if you miss the mystery of the time, then Everything is going to seem different, and everything is going to seem out of out of conjunction, and everything is going to seem like, in your mind, that it, it couldn't possibly be. It couldn't, it, it, you know. It, I've I've talked to people recently, and there's some of them that have said, "Oh, this thing that you teach about seventy thousand years, you know, which is which is from uh, Psalms ninety, takes the seventy uh a thousand or pardon me the seventy years, which is the average life span uh that's given in the bible seventy to eighty uh years and then it it 
it mentions the covenant for a thousand generations in Psalms 105. You multiply 70 times uh, the thousand generations, you get 70,000 years. And uh, and that just seems to be so different and so hard for some people, although we've got a lot of followers and a lot of people that do understand it and do believe it. But uh, I was saying to one gentleman here, well, do you believe in some of the things that uh, that they have uh, you know, substantiated, in, in, at least in some of the uh, scientists' opinion, like uh, with the dinosaurs, and that, that dinosaurs go back to 70 million years. 70 million years ago, this is what the the uh, the, the the dating of uh, of these bones are, and and taking into consideration the the locale uh, of of the. Um, uh, the geological formation and and the setting of where these uh, bones of the dinosaurs have been found, 70 million years. Now, if you can believe that, if you can believe that time goes backwards and dinosaurs used to walk on this earth 70 million years ago, then it shouldn't be too difficult for you to believe, especially with all the scriptures we give, that time goes forward from the 70 A.D. destruction of the temple 70,000 years. As it describes that in the last chapter of the book of Daniel and in the 24th chapter of Matthew. Shouldn't it be too difficult to believe that? 70,000 years is a far cry from being 70 million years. Now, <clears throat> it's, it, it is important for people to believe that because there are things in the Bible that um, you know people are just not going to be able to apply and they're going to keep doing what a lot of the, the ministers and preachers and scribes and <laughs> various people are doing. <laughs> and that is where where they are um, making these sheer uh, blunderous predictions of the coming of Jesus Christ and the end of the world. And down through the course of many generations, these people have ended up being considered to have made a false prediction because those predictions that they uh, you know, gave from their pulpits and from their uh, places of uh, business, if they were like, uh, you know, uh, scribes or people like that, they just were wrong. And they continue to be wrong. And so we've got to make that sure as we get into this rest of this teaching here today that people are beginning to really get an understanding of this very important uh, factor because it is, it is just absolutely extremely important. Now, in Hebrews 2.8, Hebrews 2.8, I'm, I'm reading the King James Version, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. It's referring to Jesus Christ. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under his, uh, under him. But now we see, uh, but, but now we see not yet all things put under him. Now here is a scripture that is saying that everything, there isn't anything that has not been put under the feet under the dominion 
of Jesus Christ. Now, in our teachings, where we use the scripture in Thessalonians and many other scriptures uh, to show that that Jesus Christ appears in many different forms, and we teach Jesus is always coming, and he's always going away. And this has been happening ever since the beginning of time. He was there with the, in, in Job 38 description when the morning stars sang for joy. Uh, he was there when the sons of God shouted. He was there um, appearing to Abraham as an angel. And even several of the top scholars admit that there's no way that you can refuse to accept the deity that is expressed in those scriptures of the angels that visited Abraham where they were involved in forgiveness of sins and making covenants and all those kind of things. And the scripture that says that in the New Testament that Jesus Christ was that rock that followed the children of Israel when they were on their march to the to the wilderness. Jesus has always been coming, is always coming, and always going away. And if people could ever get that into their minds, and how that in the 16th chapter of Mark, it says that Jesus appears in other forms. It's Bible. It's the language of the Bible. It is Bible. And here the scripture in Hebrews 2.8 says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Now, the Bible says that when he comes in one of these other comings, he will come with 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 the sound um, of an archangel. Uh, that this this great sound, this great trumpet that blows, will be will be him himself. It says that that Jesus Christ himself, not someone else, will come with this sound of an archangel and. We know that when we have a universe like this, which we are in the eighth universe, that in this eighth universe, this universe was the Ophanim universe. And the Lord of hosts of this universe was Yahweh, or we can refer to his lesser presence as Jesus Christ. Now someone says, oh, I don't like that. I don't like the sound of that lesser presence. That's only because you do not know the Bible. That's only because you are ignorant of the scriptures in which Jesus repeatedly says that his father was greater than he was and that he was not as great as his father. So you don't understand that if you're not as great as your father, then you're lesser than your father. And so what I have just said here would be absolutely true and Bible. And it can be found in the Gospel of John. And in other uh, other of the uh, the gospel books, and so when we begin to understand that that however that Jesus Christ once he he is out of this physical body, flesh and blood which cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, once he's out of and we're not talking just any heaven but we're talking the heaven of heavens, uh, that then he be- joins and becomes co-owned with the Father again. And he and the Father become one. 
But until that happens, then he's in his lesser presence, which is Jesus Christ. In, in his angel fold, our archangel presence, he's in a higher presence than the Jesus Christ presence. And, um, he is the Lord of the host, which in this universe, the host were the Ophanims. In, a, in the universe we're going to talk about tonight, the fifth universe, when I read that out of the book, uh, that, the, that was about the seraphim. And uh, so there are different universes that apply to different of the angels of God and different of the Lord of hosts. Now, when you have a, an universe that is, uh, there is new creations being created, uh, there may be a group of angels that have ultimately come out of that that are being created uh, but the 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 Lord of that um, uh, of, of that uh, whole um, uh, universe would be like in this case the Ophanims and then the ultimate plan was to create uh, new uh, you know a uh, create a new creation that could become eventually angels and go to the the first domain. <coughs> uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're having a, a few problems with um, our um, broadcast, and we're experiencing some bandwidth drops, and, uh, and it's creating some time delays uh, in, uh, you know, in, in our uh, speaking. I, I hope that you're not having too much problem, too many problems with it, with uh, your particular, uh, you know, uh, uh, listening set. Uh, just throw up a little prayer that this will correct itself so we can really get a good broadcast on here tonight because this is such an important teaching. So then, now we get back to this thing that is, that is clearly said here in Hebrews 2.8, that the Lord Christ, as 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 in his physical being, but who represents the Father in heaven, that all things are put in subjection under him. And there is nothing left that is not put under him. But the Bible says, but... Now, we, we see not yet, Y-E-T, all the things put under him. Now, that is exactly, precisely the condition of the church. They do not see the whole truth. They do not see the mystery of the time. They do not, do not see the revelation of the time. So, so they are bound with, with these limitations. Now, there's another scripture that describes that. In 1 Corinthians 13, 9-10, it says, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. So the Bible tells us that even up to the days of Paul, he says the veil that was over, over uh, Moses is still over the people in his day. And you can be sure that even in this day in which I am speaking now, in this age I speak now, there are groups of people and individuals, uh, a great many, that have a same veil. And it is not yet known to them 
what the mystery of the of the of the times has to be um, a revelation about. They do not understand the revelation, so they only know in part. Now, the difficulty is when people only know something in part. They think that they know it all, and there's very few of them that can have the wisdom like like Paul did. When he included himself and he says, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. And, and, and so coming into the gift of the wisdom and the knowledge of God is certainly coming in to the recognition that the church and the people do not yet know all of the things that have been put under the feet of Jesus Christ. And how most people have it, is that the holy, the whole thing, the whole story, the whole aspect is just this earth. And you live here, you die here, and then you graduate from here, hopefully to heaven. And you got this whole incredible universe around you that is so many multiple times more than what this little speck of cosmic dust called the earth is that it's just like it's for some funny kind of reason. This only place of space, this only place of earth that's being claimed by the Christians because they think everything is going to happen here and and, and this is the summation of everything that was ever intended by the plan of God, by the plan of Jesus Christ. And yet the Bible says... God's put everything, all things, A-L-L, things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. It doesn't mean it hasn't been put under him. It has, but people are not being able to see it. You know? Now, in Hebrews 2.5, <clears throat> it gives you contextual information. This preceded 2.8. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. Now, the whole aspect of the revelation of the world that is to come is all part of what's been put under his feet. And, and the majority of the people out there, they cannot see this other world that is to come. They cannot see this other revelation. And we're going to get into that, this other world. Now, in Hebrews 8, 5, it says, it talks about the things which serve as an example and a shadow of the heavenly things. And as we begin to understand that there are things that we understand here in a shadowy kind of way as an example which are only figurative, though. They are not the actual thing. They are not the real totality. They are not the summation of the mystery of the time, of the true and ultimate revelation of the all of the all. And, uh, and, but we understand that the things that we are, have been given to know here about the earth is symbolic about the things of of the heavenlies. Now, does God want us to know those things? 
Hebrews 11.3 Through faith we understand the world's W-O-R Listen to this. L-D-S L-D-S-S-S Worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. Now the things which are seen, materialized in this universe today, were made of things that do not appear. And there is a strange uh, dynamic here, that there are things out there in the universe that can be seen, which were made of things that do not appear, but even though they can be seen, which were made of things that do not appear, the reality of the purpose and the total scope that encompasses the, the total and ultimate revelation and, and meaning of the universe is basically not known, not revealed to the majority of people because they are blocked by some of the doctrines that they believe, which they believe that those doctrines are the final word, are the, the finished uh, subject and the complete subject. And because they believe that, to them, the Bible says, is, is here a little and there a little, line upon line and precept upon precept that they might fall and go backwards and be broken. When you get into that limited phraseology of an interpreting the word of God because you do not have a seer, because you do not have a prophet that can exhort and teach you as a teacher, then you get blindfolded with these concepts from people and persons and ministries and and self-conceived ideas that are absolutely only a part of that part which is a part. And by only knowing part, you do not have the full story. And if a person can recognize, I only know this in part, it has not yet, Y-E-T, not yet, been revealed all the things that have been put under his feet. But we know it contains the whole world, the whole universe. Now in, this, in Ephesians 3.9, does God want us to know those things? Here it goes, the scripture, Ephesians 3.9, and to make all men see. God wants us to see what we haven't been able to see if we're out there and haven't seen it. And to make all men see. God's got a punctuation on this. He wants to make it so that you, you can see it. What is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God? It's been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. And to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places, they might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. This is the plan of God. This is the plan of salvation. This is the plan of the supersedent will of the Father which art in heaven, that the people are able to come into this revelation of the manifold wisdom of God to the intent that they are right out there standing in variance 
to any principalities and powers that would be on the negative side and in alignment with the principalities and powers that, that are in the heavenly places. Blessed be the name of God. Now, you know, we try to share with people, as we have over this these last uh, short period of time, like this chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 14 in Genesis, where it talks about, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. We know that this is the sun and the moon. It describes it later in, in, in the scripture here. And um, we, 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 we want people to understand this, what it says. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, and for days and for years. How many people are really getting into that revelation? The revelation that has to do with, with the meaning of the star time, the sun is a star, of the star time, uh, you know, uh, understanding and recognition that, that our sun is, is, is a, is a star and that there are signs that we need to understand in relationship to it and that we need to understand in relationship to it, you know, how the seasons are accounted and how that the days and the years are accounted. And, and we're talking star time here. We're not talking earth time because up until this point here you couldn't have had regular days because the sun and the, and the moon of which you base earth days on especially the sun were not even were not even actively uh, uh, being being uh, used for that mission and that accomplishment so we get into this thing about star time and we shared with you last week how that you know the sun has like five billion or more years left. When you talk in star time, you talk billions of years. You talk long times, millions. So we talk about 70 million years back to the dinosaurs. Now, you, you know, you're talking in star time language because that is just all part of, uh, of, of the episode of the plan, you know. And, and then when you begin to understand the, the, the words that, that uh, are in the Bible, which I've shared with you many times, but I intend to keep sharing it because you've got to get this into your mind and into your heart. Mark sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, go ye, go ye into all the world. And when you look up in your concordance, Strong's Concordance, the word world, you will see that the real meaning of it that should have been translated was cosmos, which is talking about the orderly nature of the stars, and it means the universe. So he said unto them, Go ye into all of the, of the universe, and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel. And some of you people that don't understand that God has put the whole universe under his feet, some said, well, we'll never be able to do that. We'll never be able to speed faster than the speed of light. You don't say so. Is your name Einstein by any chance? Or Stephen Hawkins? Because both of them, of course, even their maths, were not totally correct. And I found mistakes in both of their maths. 
And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm a greater scientist than either one of those two, but I was fortunate enough to have the Holy Spirit show and reveal to me some things so that I had something going for me greater, greater than uh, what they had going for them in, in, in that particular decision. Don't get caught up in these concepts that say, well, we can't ever do that. You don't know that you can't do that. We're going to be traveling in the star kingdoms. And, and, and it's, it's written that way right in the Bible. In Isaiah 51.16, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now, why has he put his words in your mouth? Well, so that we can talk to our loved ones like I like to talk to my wife, and my wife likes to talk to me and the kids, and then sometimes we have to have the words in our mouth to preach and help our neighbors. Yeah, that's good. That's all true. And some of the preachers say, well, I have to have it for the congregation. Yeah, that's good. That's all true. Is that it? Is that the end of your world? Is that the end of your world? You know, what What about this thing about the world's? What about these other verses I that I read to you? You know, that, that, that God wants all people to be able to come into the manifold wisdom of. All those scriptures that I just took the time to to read them all completely out. Isaiah fifty one sixteen. I have put my words in thy mouth and have covered thee in the shadow of my hand. And it goes on to say so that he could plant the heavens from the foundations of the earth. God's going God's to do more on this earth than what most people think. They just got a, a, a short time lie, uh, uh, you know, life and death scenario and then, and, and then rapture out of here. They are missing the story that is in the Bible. They are missing it. And that is so sad. That is so very, 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 very sad. You know, there's a lot of things that is, is, is not understood. You know, the, the Bible talks about, in the book of, um, of the Old Testament, um, ah, let me just turn to it. it it's, it's really interesting and different. Let's look at Deuteronomy. And uh, if you'll turn to Deuteronomy 23. And, and uh, uh, you know, this is something. You want a little mystery thing to solve here today? Okay, let me give you something. Okay, now we're looking at Deuteronomy 23, and we'll start with verse 2. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the, of the Lord even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. You don't say. Now, what is that all about? How can a bastard not be able to enter into the congregation of the Lord until the tenth generation? And since a gener- life generation is 70 years... It's talking 700 years. And if he lived, if his average life was the 80, it'd be 80, 800 years. Now, how does that work out? Well, if you don't understand the teaching of the manifest and re you wouldn't understand that. 
You wouldn't understand that at all. You wouldn't understand how that when Herod uh, killed those uh, young children, how in Jeremiah, how that the, the revelation there was incredibly awesome. That, that God spoke to Jeremiah and said, now don't cry. You know, don't, don't, don't cry anymore, uh, mothers, because I'm going to bring your children again. They're going to live again. They're going to come again to Jerusalem. People that don't know the story of regeneration, they're missing out on being able to understand how that, that, uh, that babies, when they die, uh, get to fulfill the, the scripture in Ecclesiastes that says that every person is going to get a time and a chance. Those babies are guaranteed to get their chance. They're guaranteed to, 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 get, to get their time. And, and that's absolutely important because there's all kinds of scripture that the Bible says God does not want, does not want uh, to fill the earth with, with the seed of evildoers and doesn't want to fill the heavens with the seed of evildoers. So these, these children have to have their opportunity they have to be regenerated and have their opportunity to 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 live out their time so that they can either be uh, saved or not saved. So that is just absolutely important and 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 totally incredible. And and if, if people don't get into this thing about regeneration and understand it and take the time to listen, you know, uh, someone says, "Well, they're not preaching that in any of the churches." So, so. What has that got to do with it? Some said, well, I never heard this before. So? So? What does that have to do with it? You're hearing it now. And it must be your destiny to hear it now. And before you shirk off the shoulder clip and spit in the dirt, you better think down deep in your heart about this message that's a message from God. It's the message of the time. And these other people that are making all these predictions. And there's people saying, uh, you know, we're expecting Jesus to come right now. Really? Well, that's not Bible. Someone says, oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it isn't. It is absolutely not Bible. And you need to read about a hundred times so that you can really, really get it down in your mind. You need, you need to read Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Because the temple has to be rebuilt again. The temple, which was the second temple that was built, was the temple of Solomon. And it was built on Mount Moriah. And check that out in Second Chronicles 3, uh, all the way through chapter 4, verse 22. Mount Moriah was where the, where the second chapter is built. Now someone says, you know, the, the, the mount is there of, of the Muslims. And I've had some people say, yeah, well, um, uh, they're going to be able to back up the new, the new uh, uh, temple uh, sort of off to the, the, you know, like the north side. And uh, it's not going to be where the, the whaling wall is, but they're going to they're gonna build, they're going to be able to, to, to uh, put that up there. Are they now? Now, who gave you that information? So we said, oh, we've checked. The Jews already have, they've already worked on the furniture, and they've already worked on the temple, uh, you know, sacred items. Uh, well, great. 
And, and I, I think that that's good, and I think that's beautiful. But remember this, that when the Six-Day War took place, they, they went through Jerusalem and they stopped this side of the, of the Temple Mount. They did not go any further. They did not take possession of the Temple Mount. Therefore, the Muslims don't want them to be anywhere on the north side, south side, west side, east side. They consider that just as serious as trying to destroy uh, their their uh, temple that's that's on that mount. And so there's a real a real problem, and there's a real interference of being able to just go over there. Someone says, "Well, I, there's a place here that's about." you know, a mile away. Really? Well, that mile away that you're talking about is still property that is under the jurisdiction, not of the Jews, but of the Muslims. And so there's going to have to be something change. There's going to have to be a horrible war. And if they drop a few draw, a few atom bombs in Israel, that land is so small. That's like the size of a small state in the United States. They drop a few bombs there. They, it, there could be so much radiation uh, uh, proliferation that it, it would be 50 years before it would be safe to use any of that ground. And they wouldn't even be able to build a temple there. And maybe all of the people of Israel would have to move out to some other place, probably to the United States. Until that radiation was subsided. Oh, we don't know that. We're not expecting that. But we're just telling you, don't get too caught up on this thing about time and about what you think has to happen or doesn't have to happen. Because things could be totally different than what anyone even dreamed. And that's why Israel's very concerned about Iran and the bomb. If they don't want it in that little land of theirs, they don't need no bomb dropped that, that would just corrupt the land and, with radiation and no one could live in that area. They're just too small of a country. But get that get that book. Get into that book, Second Thessalonians two one through twelve. And and you know, let's let's say that they made some big agreement and they allowed them to build the temple on one of the sides of that mount. Let's say they did that and the Jews agreed to do that. Okay, then what does that do? Someone says, Well then that makes it so that Jesus can come immediately. No, it doesn't. You just don't know the scripture, do you? The Bible says that the sign will be when the the Antichrist, the false prophet person, sets in the temple, calls himself God. Now this new temple, the third temple that is going to be built, even if it were built, we don't know how many years or generations it would be before that this anti-God who's calling himself God will go and be there in that temple but until that that does happen which we don't know how long that could be then that is the sign that fulfills it 
so that Jesus can come because that's when the Bible says in Thessalonians that he will come to destroy that force that has come and taken over the temple. Now, why don't people get in there and read this Bible? Because they they got blindfolders on from all the doctrinal ideas that, that have been just jammed into their brain. And they've been told this thing over and over and over and over. This is how it's going to be. You know, it's the end of the world. Jesus said that. Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you see these things happening, wars and rumors of wars, when you, when you see all these, these things, you know, uh, famines and earthquakes, it's the end. But, you know, Jesus did not say that, and I've told you this many times. Jesus did not say it was the end. He said it was, it, it, it was not the end. He said this is not the end. In fact, later he says, this is the beginning of sorrows. How do you change beginning to end? How do people take and make the end of the world from the word of the words of Jesus that he said, this is the, just the beginning? I'll tell you, it's sad and it's sick. And it's causing the church to look like fools and idiots. Because they are preaching a message that is not the divine message, nor the message of the hour. People say to me, yeah, well, the Bible says that, that you know, the, the day of the Lord's at hand. I say, no, is that right? And he's coming quickly. Is that right? Okay. What do you think that those words mean? Well, I think that means that he's due any time, really. Well, when was that written and when was that spoken? <clears throat> Hasn't that been over 2,000 years ago? Well, let me ask you this. If that's been over 2,000 years, that's getting pretty old, isn't it? Hold on. Yeah, if it's, if, um, if, if he said, you know, if, if he said, behold, I come quickly, <coughs> and it really should have been, behold, I come suddenly, and the day of the Lord's at hand, <coughs> excuse me, the day of the Lord is always at hand. Because Jesus Christ is supposed to be in your heart. And at any time that you call upon him, he's not off in some other world, the Bible says. He's right near at hand. To answer your prayers and answer your request and to love you. Wow. I have to keep preaching this. I have to keep talking about it. Because it is so important. So very, very, very important. Okay, we've got to move on. Got a lot to cover. Blessed be the name of God. Hallelujah. We just think and praise God. We've also ministered to you how that that the God of this world is, is Lucifer. Second Corinthians uh, Lucifer Satan. Second Corinthians four four. That Lucifer uh, Satan is the, the ruler of the darkness of this world, Ephesians six twelve. That this present world is an evil world. 
And, and, and we have to pray for God to deliver us from it. Galatians 1.4. And that the key to the bottomless pit during the, the fifth angel <clears throat> has been given unto Satan to have charge, they have the keys to the bottomless pit. And he's called the king of the bottomless pit. And in Revelations 11.15, the kingdoms of this world, at that time it says, will become the kingdoms of God. But that means up until that point, which is far into the future, that the kingdoms of this world are not the kingdoms of God because they don't become the kingdoms of God until that disclosure in Revelations 11.15. They're obviously then the kingdoms of Satan. That's why Satan took Jesus up to the Mount of Temptation and said, here's what I can give you. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. I know we're just uh, going over a few things here that we've been over, but we just got to keep going over them because if we don't, then... uh, People are not going to get, they're not going to get this message down. They are not going to be able to, uh, to understand it. Now, part 17, that, that one that was 13,000 uh, <laughs> words in 99 minutes, I talked about how came the dinosaurs, the pre-Adamic humans, and uh, human-like creations and many mysterious happenings of the great past and and the mystery of DNA and the mystery of time and the revelation of the mystery, mysterious implants into the human race yet to surface. And, and this all ties into a story similar to the parable that Jesus gave, which I, I gave you uh, the, the scripture for that, and it was about the tares. And that was in Matthew thirteen twenty four. And that there has been something implanted that is still surfacing and that will continue to be surfacing over this next 70,000 years, what remains of it. And uh, St. Satan, I've explained to you in one of the teachings, is a lot different than how most people have him pegged and described. They've got him looking with horns and a hideous face. But Lucifer was one of the most beautiful angels in heaven. And he can transform and does transform to a beautiful angel of light. And one of the reasons they're going to have a very difficult time not believing that that the Antichrist is not the Messiah is because he's going to be absolutely beautiful and absolutely full of wisdom and knowledge. And there is there is plan, you know, to restore the idea of the tree of life. And the idea of the tree of life, of course, is to give people that soul energy, that not the body soul, but the spirit soul energy connection that will eventually and ultimately uh, deliver them 
uh, from the the problems that uh, you know that that have been sowed in their body, sowed in their it's, it's implanted in the body, and and it's it's into the the genome, it's into the DNA, and uh, it it is just absolutely essential that people um, really get into understanding that. Now, we're going to um, keep this thing going. I, I want to now get uh, uh, into just cover a couple other things here. We've talked about it a lot, but, you know, we talked about the aquatic man and all of that. But we should we should talk about, again, even though we mention it a lot of times, the genetic rivers. And I've given you lots of scriptures on that. Because there are so many scriptures, and um, and uh, we 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 want to we want to talk about that because um, there's and I, I think I gave this to you last time Isaiah forty eight one the waters of Judah, which is which describing the genetics of of the, of the children of Israel of the tribe of Judah, and. Uh, and uh, I, there, there's uh, just so many other uh, descriptions of the wicked being like a troubled sea, uh, whose waters cast up mire, Isaiah 57:20. And there, these waters are described as multitudes in uh, Revelation 17:15, and um, it, they're described uh, as armies in Isaiah 8. <clears throat> Five through eight, eight five through eight, and um, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures about water, rivers, seas, representing human beings. It's not too strange that. The Bible says that the move that the movement of life happened in the waters. It's not too strange that the the Bible says that the in in I think it's Genesis one twenty that the creation of the fowls were from out of the water. And when we see what happened to Daniel <clears throat> when he uh, when he um, diverted backwards, degenerated. Uh, we're talking not Daniel, sorry, but in Daniel about Nebuchadnezzar. And when Nebuchadnezzar degenerated to what we call the bird man, because he grew like bird claws and 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 feathers, not hairs but feathers, and. The name for the birdman of the four rivers was the Python, and um, if we take that back as a carrier gene, uh, you may be able to take that all the way back to a uh, aquatic man, very ancient, very uh, not hu- not human in the sense like of Adam, but but a, an aquatic type of man. A very interesting story. The manifest calls it the Morans, and um, those are 
certainly things, uh, you know, to, to talk about. Uh, even things in the galaxy, like the like Aquarius, you know, it, it the sign of it is of the age of Aquarius is the water bearer, and it's a it's a it's a, a, a a conveyor, a, a carrier, a messenger, and um, uh, there is so much that even gets into the differentiation of waters. Like there are divine waters, then there are waters that are not divine. And uh, these things are all meant to be understood in a very uh, beautiful, uh, prophetic uh, kind of way. And as we, we really get into those understandings, it turns out to be uh, a gorgeous and wonderful revelation. So there's so many number, so many uh, scriptures I could give you here. I've just got dozens of them. But, you know, you can easily look them up yourself uh, by just looking up river, look up waters, look up sea, and just read them very carefully, and then you'll see that many times those scriptures are actually talking about rivers, seas, waters, representing human beings. We, uh, we went over this thing about how that... Um, the Masoretic priests, as I call them, Masoretes, they um, uh, made some changes in the um, in the in the the cotex when they, you know, begin to punctuate the cotex for the uh, vowels and other particular expressions. Uh, they what they did with the tetragrammaton. And that there were some things they did that were just not right. And I explained last week, it was like when Jesus mentioned, you know, uh, the Yod, the, the letter in the, of the Hebrew Yod, and, um, and the tittle, and that these two um, uh, letters would not pass uh, from the law because there was a divine meaning to those words. And uh, I think the importance of that understanding of that is that Jesus was saying, I don't like what you did to the odd. I don't like how that it was the larger letter and you just made it to be a little teeny small letter. But you're not going to be able to eradicate it. You're not going to be able to take it out of the Word of God because even if a fraction of the Word, of the, of, 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 of the truth, <clears throat> is left in the Bible, I will have prophets, I will have seers that will be able to take that small little particle, and they will be able to resurrect out of it the full original meaning that belonged to that word. And, of course, that is the whole revelation of Akka, this revelation that God has given to us in which we can take remnants or names that are only uh, put in the Bible a certain way, uh, sometimes personified, sometimes not, and then we're able to take it back to get what the the deeper original meaning of it was. So, uh, you know, those, those are those are beautiful. We know that there's there's strange things that have happened on this earth. We know in Jude ten, it talks about brute beast, and we know there are different kinds of creations, and 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 some of these creations are are you know they're vessels of dishonor, and other uh, parts of the creations are vessels of honor. 
and um, we we know that this whole revelation uh, uh, about the total um, uh, scriptural manifestation uh, tells us tells us something that is not common knowledge. But, ladies and gentlemen, may the light shine down from above upon you and glow in your eyes so that you can see the truth of this message that I am speaking. We have to even understand that, as we have shown you, that sometimes when it says Lord, it may not necessarily be talking about the Lord Jesus or the Lord God of all gods. It, it, sometimes it may be talking about uh, a different situation. Um, so those things are, are very, very important. And uh, we, we just have to go on with these things and accept them you know, for what they are, for how they are, because uh, people have got to get to the point where they, they know this truth. And uh, if they don't come to the point of knowing this truth, they're going to just keep tripping over themselves, and they're going to be going from one uh, stumbling block to another uh, time after time after time. Now, one of the incredible things that, that uh, we, we taught was uh, on this fifth day was this revelation of the word fell. But just before I get into that, let me turn to the to the book of the Seven Thunders Speak. And um, let me read uh, here um, from the, the, the Seven Thunder, which is the universe of the seraphims. And we'll just read something that happened well, when they were very advanced in, in their civilization. And this is on page 330. The dreadful Shumek. Our universe became a universe of war after Paznek, the genius, called the gene comms. From these gene comms, chemical neuron computers in creation form, the dreadful Shumek were created. At a certain point, these Shumek began to reduplicate themselves and improve their intelligence to awesome levels. At, the, at first... The Shumek were friendly and helpful, but as their intelligence and perceptions grew, a terrible thing happened. Paznek, having used his own brain scan, now Paznek was the genius who created these uh, gene comms, and uh, without thinking about it or realizing it, he used his own brain scan, we're on page 331 of the Seven Thunders book before Genesis, um, uh, to scan data to program the gene comms and did not realize he was also pro- programming those G- uh, gene uh, com creature uh, toids with psychological inferences subdued of a long time and dormant in his mind. And it was from certain of those dormant impressions of or in pa- Paznek's mind that the Shumek drew the decision that we Shumafem, Silas, must be subdued and retailored. Once this thought became the lead direction of the Shumek, it grew and developed with dread, dreadful consequences. So now that this story is about is that in a person's mind, 
sometimes way back in, uh, you know, subdormant reflexes, there is retained things that are sometimes uh, uh, very um, uh, unimpressive. They're, they're things that uh, we forget, like to forget that ever happened. But nevertheless, sometimes uh, they, uh, you know, are still there. And then here, when you're beginning to mess with all these kind of things that have to do with with advanced uh, research and advanced, uh, uh, you know, knowledge, and they were getting, beginning to use use his brain to transfer, uh, you know, his kind of a mind, which generally was a really good mind, uh, but forgetting the possibility that it might pick up some of those um, uh, reflect, reflected things that he had overcome uh, to reach the advanced state that he was in, but that those things were still there and that they could possibly be picked up uh, by the shoe mecca, which they were. So verse uh, uh, second paragraph the Shumek, we're on page 331, eventually made war with the Shu, uh, Shumafim of, of the uh, uh, Tretorius, and their plan was to first conquer the three planets of the uh, t- uh, Tretorius, which were our long home, and then proceed to dominate other populated parts of the universe, and thereby bring about the designs for restructuring the mind systems of the world. Now suppose that at some future time, uh, like according to the prophecies given um, in the last blog that I did, uh, which which was um, Acts of America uh, called Knowledge, and it was uh, number seven, and it gives these prophecies about far into the future where uh, we will be... Um, uh, having populated centers on the moon and and we'll have populated centers on Mars and and perhaps like one of the moons of Saturn uh, there would be a populated center and suppose that we had some advanced creature like the, the Shumek uh, that decided to make war with us and went out to destroy all these uh, these uh, outbounded uh, uh, civilizations that were uh, you know all human relatives of us that would be a similar example of what was what was happening there. So it says, um, uh, as you get down a little below halfway, um, uh, let's see, the Shumak eventually made war with the Shumafim, Shumafims, um, the Shumafim. And then let's get on down where it says, um, exploit upon exploit was made against us by their siege machines. They also built invisible armories that materialized on cold demand. Uh, history can never hide their mastery and rhythm of invasions, nor their discipline in soldiery. Of such methodical combat, uh, their opposition mostly fled or diffused before them. Uh, each Noyon was capable of unit reduplication, instinctively maneuvering, provisioning, and positioning decisions. In time, the war theater of operations was stationed throughout the uh, Shum universe. The Shum dispatched their legionaries with fierce successive engagements, taking no prison, prisoner, but only gene and, and uh, brain imprints. <clears throat> now, there's a whole lot more here, and I suggest that you should really 
get this book out if you haven't read this or you need to read it again because then it it tells what a very difficult time uh you know that um the Shumafim had in overcoming the Shumak. And uh, you know, they they almost could have been defeated and that'd been the end of uh you know that that uh uh universe there for progressing uh to go forward and, and, and overcome. <clears throat> So there's lots of serious things like that ahead. Now uh, let's go to the book of Genesis, and uh, let's uh, let's just look now about the fifth day. And we we've already described a lot to you about the fifth day, and we've already talked on this subject. And I'm just sort of without going back into all the uh, the repeat. Uh, you know, I'm just wanting to try to help make it a little maybe clearer understood. But I can't just repeat everything uh you know uh, uh, all over again but um in the um uh in, in in the book of uh of genesis uh when we get on that fifth day you know and it, verse 19 says in the evening and the morning were the fourth day now we are showing uh and god said and we're showing that you know just because this is god said uh, uh you know and the, and the word is elohim that Elohim can be, you know, can be manifold God. It can be, it can be the Lord of Baal. It can be, um, uh, the, the good, the good lords. The, it can be the seraphim lords, or the cherubim lords, or, uh, or, or it could be, you know, uh, it could be other lords that are lords of Satan. And, uh, and, and so we've shown you all kinds of scripture to prove that. Uh, but some of the interesting things that happen now as we get into the, the fifth day, uh, verse, uh, 20, that, and, and, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. Uh, we see that the first, uh, uh, thing that was done, uh, was about, uh, the creatures that were involved upon the face of, 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 of the waters. Now that's interesting because Lucifer was, was reiterating and duplicating what was done in the first chapter, uh, you know, and um, verse um, verse two, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So here we have, you know, the spirit movement upon the face of the waters, and then here we have in this fifth day, uh, the, you know, uh, the, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Uh, the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth. So we have first the moving creature that hath life and, and each one of these statements is episodic. In other words, you could be talking, um, you know, thousands of years, let the creature come forth that has life. And then before the, <coughs> let the fowls, uh, you know, come forth, uh, that, that could be another thousand years or a million years uh that's the way it works in 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 these kind of scriptures uh because it's it's not set up in in a kind of a a time sequential order uh it it's all done for revelation and and some of it is done like in uh parables uh like it's in the meaning of paradigm and uh and uh in, in various other kinds of application so, so then as we, as we, um, continue on, 
you know, to, to read and, uh, and, you know, see this, we come to the uh, 22nd verse, and God blessed him, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let uh, uh, the fowl multiply in uh, the earth. Now, that, that is really quite a strange, um, a strange, uh, you know, type of, uh, of statement because you've got these winged fowl after his kind and, and, and God saw that it was to be. Remember, that was our translation instead of it was good. God saw that it was to be and we gave you the, the scriptures for that so that you would be able to know that that is in fact, uh, what the, the reality really was. And uh, and it's very uh, strange here when when it, it says uh, you know um, and God blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply fill the waters of the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth so uh, we do see that that further substantiates that there was a, a great creation that was to take place in the waters and and to the point that the whole seas were filled with the multiplicity of all these different kinds of creatures and creations. There was a whole water world that was created on this fifth day of creation. To where, I, I mean, that is more uh, plentiful than really uh, the, the, the seas and oceans of the world are today. And this was an incredible, vast expanse of creation. And, and so it was like, you know, a water world. You know, and and we know when we read about, um, you know, uh, the the great uh, Leviathan, and we read about the dragons. Some of these were were sea dragons and and sea, uh, um, you know, Leviathans, and and uh, it's you know very clearly in the Bible. And then we know that there was all kinds of other kinds of creatures. Um, certainly would be room in such a vast array of creatures for there to be the Morans, uh, and an aquatic type of creature that was uh, precedent of, of uh, eventually uh, what um, mankind, uh, not the, you know, the, yet the Adam man, but the other kinds of, of river men uh, that were to, uh, uh, you know, have bodies uh, that were human-like, but that, that were not, they did not have uh, spirit souls. Okay, so then we have in that verse, uh, verse 22, we have the word, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Fill the waters in the sea. Now, this is very, very important. Because if you go to the uh, to the Hebrew for the meaning of the word fill, uh, number forty three ninety, it means to be at an end, uh, to be become, to draw, to have holy. Uh, it also is connected uh, to uh, uh, forty three ninety four because forty three ninety four comes from the root of forty three ninety, and it means a setting of gems, be set. And, uh, and then in 4396, uh, which is from 4391, and, uh, which corresponds to 4390, it also says a setting of gems, uh, you know, enclosing a setting. So as we look at this symbology of these, uh, these gems, which not only represent a long duration of time, 
and and we from which we used that um, and uh, you know a term, terminology uh, to put upon this fifth uh, creation day uh, the longest day of creation because this being the only one of the day of the of the days that is uh, compared to uh, stones and uh, that were gems and and that right away you know tying in just like when it talks about the rock of ages. Uh, when you talk about a, a rock that's a gem, uh, it, it infers longevity. And so this ties into the theme of the, uh, of the, the longest day of creation being this number five. And then these, these gems, this setting is referring to, uh, the scriptures like in, uh, Ezekiel 28. And I just quickly, uh, read a little bit of that just to remind you, uh, although I've, uh, ministered on that quite a little bit but i think it's very very important make sure that uh, you get the connection there of that gym setting uh to uh ezekiel uh, 28 because uh it also includes the revelation of the rock because the word uh, king of tyrus the word tyrus actually means rock and that's the connection because in Deuteronomy, I think it's the fifth chapter, it talks about there's two kinds of rock. There's the rock of ages, and then there's the the rock that is the opposite, uh, uh, that that is the, uh, the uh, antithesis, so to speak, to the rock of ages. And uh, and uh, and so in verse twelve it says, "Son of man, take up thy lamentation upon the king of Tyrus." This is this this rock. Uh, you know, who's the other rock, uh, and saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealeth up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden. Now we have the connection to Eden. The garden of God and every every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and the work of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art, and this tells who it was, the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in you. Then it goes on, it tells about his heart being lifted up in pride and, and all these various things. But we see that these stones of fire represent the status orders of the cherubim angels that were co-owned to Lucifer because Lucifer was was a uh, a cherubim angel. That's who he was. And then these stones were all set and that is the very explanation of Koun. They were all made one with him, set in him as one piece, and 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 these were these were the the demons, uh, or that became demons, the his angels, which the Bible says that Lucifer and his angels were cast out of heaven. Is talking about these angels which were Koun with him, which were uh, you know as stones of, of fire. And and so then when we read back in uh, Genesis about this unusual word, which is um, 
you know, like aka. It is, it, it is a sort of a secret word. Uh, now that does not mean that every time that, that that word is used and, and some of those definitions are in there, that that would have to apply every time the way that, the way that word, uh, uh, fell is used. But in understanding the Bible, it has to be applied according to the contextuality of its use. And in this particular case, the contextuality of his use absolutely fits perfectly. We also explained in verse 21 where it says that God created great whales, uh, you know, uh, and now it's mentioning great whales were part of, part of the, the, uh, the living creatures that moved. Uh, and, and, uh, we see then that there was all kinds of, of, of creatures, creatures. And when you really look up this word in the Hebrew of, of whale, uh, you actually find that the last meaning given of it, given for that word in, in, uh, uh, uh the Hebrew text found in the book of Strong's Concordance Dictionary uh, is the word whale. That it really means, you know, like 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 a dragon, uh, like you know, like a monster, Leviathan. That type of thing is really its meaning. So so we see that this whole force of the power of of, of Satan, as represented by Draco, the constellation. Is now uh, patternized on Earth, uh, you know, you know, as as uh, this Leviathan uh, and as these dragons, and uh, we see that you know they're in the water. They're they're some of these first creatures, uh, but you know this this whole um, idea of creation that he had was was uh, instead of having it the way the uh, other angels did where their creation was all put into the mind as thoughts and 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 so that it said in the second chapter and fourth verse of Genesis you know that those trees and those plants and vegetation uh existed before they were ever put in the earth so they were made spiritual but uh, Lucifer instead of choosing to do that Lucifer Satan decided to use the waters for the medium and that way he can have more versatility and less chance of being challenged along the lines of those things that, that he wanted to create with the passions and the plans that he had, which included his plan as master of, of tares to, to implant these things that in any future creations that would come forth that the, that there would be, uh, that there would be very, uh, difficult to find, very sedate, uh, imprints, uh, of, of, uh, his, um, uh, plot, uh, f- for the worlds, even multi, uh, millions of, 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 uh, generations up the road. And, and so that is all there, uh, captured beautifully, uh, you know, in the, in this whole declaration. And it's just with such power of, of, uh, Choice and power of word. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture once you're able to see that. And uh, I can't just repeat the whole teaching that I did because there's just not, you know, just not time to do that. But, but, um, uh, it, it certainly, uh, 
is important to show that. Now, I want to really get into a statement about the beast, and I want to uh, have you look at uh, Daniel 7-4, because this is one of the things we said we would mention again uh, in Daniel, and uh, the seventh chapter. Uh, very, very important and incredible revelation. Uh, I have never, ever heard it preached or the scripture used in this way whatsoever. Um, but uh, I think God, praise God for his, uh, you know, beautiful revelation. Chapter 7 and verse 4. And the first beast was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked. And it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now we see where these, these this beginning of the of man, uh, was connected through a this bird type of 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 a thing that I mentioned could have had the connection to this Moran, and the and the birds be a carrier uh, to a land creature. And and uh, we see that uh, there had to be a time in which there were, going back in, in, in great periods of time, there had to be uh, creations that, for instance, um, they did not have uh, the advanced uh, aspect of human beings in, in many ways. And one of the ways was that, uh, you know, they were ground creatures. They they uh, um, had either all fours on the ground or they crawled on the ground. Uh, we know that was true uh, when uh, the the the, the Gaian, uh people, uh, the uh, the Gaihan people, which were the serpent people, uh, got involved with Eve and and uh, deceived her at, at, with the tree of good and evil knowledge, and uh, didn't tell her the truth and the whole story, just told her part truth, and uh, that when they did that, they were treated like Nebuchadnezzar, where he degenerated and went backwards. Uh, they degenerated, and they lost their ability uh, to be able to walk like the upright man. They, they ended back on that belly situation, you know, like almost descriptive of a snake, but it really wasn't exactly like that. And, uh, and so here we see, though, it going the other way, in which these, uh, you know, uh, 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 they 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 no longer had these eagle wings. They no longer had these feathers, and uh, and they were lifted up from the earth because they they obviously uh, you know uh, were, uh, did not have the ability to stand and walk like a man, and and they were made to stand upon their feet as a man, and a man's heart was given uh, to the it or them, and here we see then the Bible very clearly tells us how that there used to be. Um, you know, creatures um, that were did not have the capability like mankind uh, has the capability to walk, but then these creatures were eventually uh, uh, given the ability. They were they were they were empowered with the ability, uh, and there, and this was a process, no doubt, that happened over a course of time, to to where they were able to stand on their feet and to walk as humans walk. Now we've got the Bible here, and some of you people that don't want to believe any of the 
things that people are finding in, in the bone piles. And you're wanting to make fun of it. And just say it's all made up. And you want to make a fool out of yourself. And you want to make, make it so that uh, people that hear your religion, uh, you know, that have any intelligence to speak of, they don't want anything to do with your philosophy and your doctrine because, you know, you are not up to date. You're not recognizing, you know, uh, the proof of things that have been found. And we're not saying that every bone and everything they've found is so requisitioned uh, with accuracy that it, it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt every point uh, that they are trying to make. But there is enough that has been found that it certainly shows that there's a wide variety uh, that has happened on the face of the earth and uh, and its coverage is is major you know uh, they've got all these different kind of primates they've got the humo abulius the, the humo erectus the humo neanderthal uh, they've got this new uh, this new uh, uh, denisova uh, they've got this Arthropithecus. uh they've got um, you know uh, the um, uh, what they call the Cro-Magnon, and the human, which is just another uh, older type of uh, before the uh, Humo uh, uh, sapiens, but then eventually all became the humans, and uh, and then they've got this latest find in in uh, uh, China, the 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 cave, uh, uh, the red deer cave men. Uh, and then there's been even other finds that they had of these little small people uh, called like hobbits. And uh, it just goes on and on and on. Now, what do we think about that? Well, you know, in, it doesn't really matter about all these these different kinds of of, uh, of, of strains of of uh, creatures. Some of which walked upright, some of which did not. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Like people want to say, it's an absolute guarantee. If you can walk like a human, then that is what uh, what makes you uh, to be like uh, a predecessor of the humans bunk for that pure baloney uh that is that is not true at all that would be like saying okay because this creature has two eyes and two ears that proves that and humans have two eyes and two ears that proves that uh, they preceded the human being and that they belong to to the human uh, uh, race and all of that. No, it doesn't. Neither does the fact that some of these animals uh, that you know begin to be more human-like, stand on their feet like a man, uh, uh, were and even had some capability to think uh, better because they had larger brains. But it doesn't prove that they are the same. Because what really proves it is the 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 intellect of the brain, the spirit of the brain, the soul of of the spirit soul of the person. That's what really makes, you know, that's what makes Adam and his offspring to be what it was. And and that was the explanation of the of chapter six of the um uh, of, of Genesis that talks about the sons of God, which were the offspring of Seth, beginning to marry the daughters of men which were also flesh. They had bodies. They had these had advanced. They had bodies that were, you know, human-like. Uh, uh, but 
you know they they were so far distressed from being the same that that one was called sons of God and the others were just called you know uh, daughters of men and it, and so one was still put in the total animal nature and the other was put into a spiritual column so when you begin to understand that and you begin to see that truth it really makes a different equation it really makes you begin to understand that that it doesn't matter there's probably been there's probably even more uh, different kinds of of what they call homid type of humans that they'll find uh we know that there was the four rivers you know the guy on the Pison, the head the euphrates these were pre-adamic people uh that the bible tells about uh and we know that that probably even before them and 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 probably what was uh diversified and spread and and multiplied like the, on that fifth day where the the uh in the waters it was you know just filled with creations uh that there was a lot of these different kinds of creations that doesn't change anything as far as the distinction of what adam uh, first man with a soul had not first human being there were other humans out there but first human with a soul spirit soul not body soul he had a body soul and a spirit soul and so there we go that's the story and and uh that uh, uh that's going to have to sort of finish up our teaching on that now next week I'm planning on speaking on, it'll be Easter, I'm planning on speaking on a most sensational subject called The Diary of Mary Magdalene. The Diary of Mary Magdalene. You will not want to miss that teaching. I ask you to pray for us. Uh, we're praying for a lot of people right now that are just dreadfully sick, that there are some of them whose lives are at stake with autoimmune systems uh, that are terrible and liver problems pray for god to give me the strength and the power and the anointing to to help these people to be healed get on our blogs read and make comments god bless you we love you god bless you good night